This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, the command center of all news releases here that are meaningful, particularly in the local level, inside the Mellon Law Studio, which has fixed the years of experience, by golly. The only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. Won't back down, no will the university. And, of course, we're protected 365, 24-7 by our good friends at Crime Prevention, the studio, everything and all the above. So cpss.net will get you in contact with them. Check out the mug shots. Make sure your neighbor's not on there. Uh, I'm brought to you by Maurice Timmy Dangle. About 45,000 people a month. Take a look at that. So uh, there we are. We're off and running today. It's all sorts of things that are interesting to going on that have been continuing stories. And every day is sort of like an installment on the latest uh, uh, event, if you will, which we cover pretty closely, more closely than I think any other media outlet does here. And in particular, one today that we're covering is the, uh, uh, the the whole business of uh, Brotos versus Riles at all. I, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. Uh, let me see if I can get myself here on the live chat. We got the call in line today, too. I don't think we got it hooked up yet, but we will be getting it hooked up. And um, if you want to have a, a shout out to us, why we'll certainly take the call. And um, hello, Jack and Dawn and everybody there who are checking in with me. I see you now. Welcome, well, host. We have the line up. Um, the, uh, if, you, if you know, you follow the Drotos uh, Riles versus Boss Hart story here locally. It's um, the biggest mystery going on in town and it involves a lot of moving parts. It involves the um, GPD police department and the Matrix and the SWAT team. It involves uh, supervi- uh, the state attorney, Kramer. Uh, there's a bunch of things here that are we being brought out slowly, 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 reluctantly by all the parties. But and there are a couple of developments that I can't talk about just yet, which I think will be very dramatic when you hear them. But yesterday, yours truly went down to Judge Kolaw's courtroom, which is uh, 3C at the Criminal County Courthouse, and uh, I witnessed uh, yet another installment in this uh, Drotos Riles versus Boss Hart uh, mystery thriller. And I got to tell you, I'm going to give you some of my um, uh, just personal reactions to what I saw. And I'm going to tell you right up front, they're my personal reactions. So don't attribute what I'm about to say to anybody else but me. And I, I want to say, first of all, that Judge Kolaw was not there. Uh, he was, um, um, the substitute for him was Judge Buck Curtin. I know Buck's about my age, so he's older than, uh, you know, dry toast. So nevertheless, he still comes back once in a while and sits on the bench. Um, and then, then the thing that really, really bothered me, and I'm just going to be the kind of a, um, you, can, you can use me as a, a, a typical citizen, or you can use me as somebody who is 
to hypersensitive to these sort of things. But um, the jocularity and the casual joking uh, and goofing off, literally goofing off, which I would not allow in a classroom. I don't think any coach would allow on a football field. Anybody who's in charge of, 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 an, of, of, a, of a significant event, you know, I don't think you'd let it happen. But I'm going to tell you that this Omar the tent maker, Omar Hester Jabara or what I, I, I deliberately mumbled his name because I just can't stand the guy. And I hope you broadcast this all over the, the county. He came in with a sloppy kind of attitude about such a serious matter as this thing, which involves millions of dollars. And he gave the same runaround that he's given every time I've watched him. And I attribute Kramer to this. If I were Kramer or if I were in charge of this character, I'd fire him for conduct unbecoming a public attorney. I mean, I just would. You know, I mean, I would put up with that. And, 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 and here's the thing that bothered me so much. This is one of those cat and mouse games that's going on that uh, Boss Hart is trying to play. And they're trying to have, as we reported to you earlier, the depositions that will be taken. Uh, well, the most interesting one will be Ken Cornell, who has dodged having his trep uh, deposition taken now for at least two situations. And of course, Doughton and some others that are involved with the Boss Hart organization. And they, uh, they are trying to do something that finally the judge saw through. And that is they wanted those depositions sealed. And the young attorney who went up and presented the argument did a pretty lousy job of presenting it. I've got to tell you that right now, because the the uh, 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 the problem is they as 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 they see it, as they see it, is that uh, the information gets leaked before it's filed with the court, and they alluded to it being leaked. The attorney for Mossart did in the newspaper. I know what they're talking about. I'm not going to mention what it is, but I know what they're talking about. And it was not leaked into the newspaper. And it was not leaked for one thing. Once these things are taken, they're out there circulating. So here's what they're afraid of. Boss Hart's attorney was afraid that, oh, geez, he used this argument. There might be a trade secret in there or something that uh, we can't, there's no trade secrets. We've established that pretty much already, but they're using it to delay, delay, delay. That would prevent us really from warning those depositions to be seen or leaked. Well, Curtin kind of li listened to this for a while. And by the way, he said that Judge Kolal wants this tried in October. And you should have heard Omar the tent maker squirming about that. Oh, we'll never be ready for that. We've got so much to do. We've got all these things to do. We've got all these depositions. It's disgusting how that state attorney's office represented itself because in the audience was, well, a member of the family of Brotos. I'll just put it that way. With an anguished look. This has been a tremendous toll on the innocent bystanders. These shenanigans that these, this is, 
I'm not, I'm not going to say lawyers and boss. I'm just going to say the shenanigans that are going on are taking a tremendous toll on innocent people, as well as running up the expenses of innocent people. So here, complicit in this, is Omar the tent maker, Omar Hechevara, or whatever his name is, joking about it, joking about retiring and going to Key West fishing and you know, maybe I, I can't possibly get ready for trial in October. Donna, da, wasting and frivolously discussing these serious matters. I, I just want, I wish I had a, a video of it. I'd play it right now for you. you. You need to see this guy. So eventually Curtin asked, with being prompted by the intelligence of Grotos' attorney, how can, this is the question that finally boiled it all down. How can you seal something that hasn't been taken yet? Well, that sort of brought everyone back to their senses. Here, Boss Hart is asking that depositions be sealed. In eventuality, there's a secret. But the depositions haven't been taken yet. And I will reckon for you that there ain't going to be anything in there that's secret. Although these criminal investigations use that tool to keep the public from knowing. Oh, this is not a criminal investigation. You're seeing it in Mar-a-Lago right now. Oh, this is not a criminal investigation. We can't let anybody see it. Well, there's several lawsuits going on here. One of which, you know, is criminal. Others of which defamation. There's a lot of people piled in on this. There's Roy Cousseau. There's Jason Hurst. And there's more to come. So finally, the light bulb goes off in Curtin's head. And he says, hey, listen, I'm going to deny your request that the depositions be sealed because they haven't, we haven't got anything to seal. And then he said, once the depositions are taken, should there be anything in there, then come back and ask for it to be sealed then. Finally. Now, that's just common sense. That's just common sense. But it's a waste of time. And it's an expense for guess who? Of course, Protoss and Rawls. It's like there's two against one. It's like there's Boss Hart and the state attorney's office against Grotos and Ross. You have to be there and see it with your own eyes. But what I'm disgusted with and what I want to report to you as your humble narrator, okay? As your humble narrator, it was not very professional behavior on the part of the state attorney's office and Omar, the tent maker, Husqvarna, whatever his name is, probably named after the chainsaw. I don't know. The guy is a mess. Okay. That's me. That's me saying that. Reacting as a, a person who you wouldn't do this behavior in church. You wouldn't exhibit this behavior in a classroom. 
What are you doing? What are you doing displaying this behavior on behalf of the state in the, in the courtroom? I know it's got nothing to do with anything, but it does because these are serious matters. And at the end, I'm going to tell you, it's going to cost him. I know who's going to end up costing. It's already been ruled that thou shalt pay almost 1.5 million. Okay. Okay. That's just the beginning. So we got serious matters here. And we got the state attorney's office dragging its feet. They still have not produced the trade secrets, the so-called trade secrets that Grotos and Riles have been charged with stealing. The state attorney can't even produce them. Oh, they say they're in these files. They're in their files somewhere. Well, why don't you pull out? And he, they, were, he, they were asked this directly by Colo when Colo was on the court a month or so ago and we were in there. Pull out the trade secrets that you would use, he told the tent maker. Pull out the trade secrets you would use that you would present to a jury and print them and give them to Grotos and Riles attorneys. They've never done it. And my big question is, why aren't they held in contempt? Can you hold a state attorney's office in contempt of the court? I don't know the answer to that. I need a liar out there to give me the answer. Does anybody out there in, in listener land knows the answer? Please let me know if a state attorney's office can be held in contempt of court when the judge said produced by date certain in a form certain. You know, I'm just going back to my father and military school and places where I went where there was order and respect. If I was told to produce by my father something by five o'clock Friday, by God, I better darn sure produce it by five o'clock Friday. Or I'd have to suffer the consequences and there would be consequences. And at military school, my father told me when he sent me there, there's only one way you'll survive. And if they ask you why you did something, you say, no excuse, sir. Omar, the tent maker needs to say to the judge in the court, because we're paying the tab as a taxpayer, when asked, why haven't you yet produced those files? He should say, no excuse, sir. Now he's over there giggling about going fishing in Key West. I swear he is. I witnessed it. I witnessed it. The only thing I can tell you is you got the power to vote. You know, we went over this yesterday. In New York City, they're so frustrated with the liberals there and the, and the BSers that only 8% of the dadgum city votes. So Michael Lucas is saying, thank you, Michael. Let me look at that, Michael. Baltimore State's attorney malls be held in contempt of court. Well, how come we don't do it here, Michael? I guess we don't do it here because we're soft on crime. Can't the state attorney's office commit a crime in contempt of court a crime i tell you what if you're summoned to court to appear and you don't appear they issue a cabious for you they'll pick you up they put out a, they put out a warrant for your arrest you can be riding down the road at the stoplight and then run a tag check and it's you and they can pick you up 
because you're in contempt of court because you didn't do what the court asked you to, the judge ordered you to do. So why can't you do that to the state attorney? Somebody out there, pray tell, tell me. So that's one thing that's on my bad side here. That is one thing that's on my bad side is the behavior of, I can look his name up. Let me see if I can look his name up and say it right. I've got on so many documents here. Let's see what we got here. Uh, where is this one? This is where they had to go to court to get attorney's fees. It's crazy. Um, I got his name here. I got his, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. I'll find this stupid name here in a little bit. But it really irks me. I don't feel like calling a guy up. You know, it's disgusting. If any of you know him, you can tell him how I feel about it, how I saw it. I thought giggling in court, or giggling in court and cracking jokes over such a serious matter deserves some sort. Listen, let me tell you something, my friends. They got a doggone cop in there, all right? And if you so much as look at your cell phone, they can throw you out of the courtroom, which they did the last time we were there because a guy sitting behind us looked at his cell phone. And the deputy bailiff came over and asked him to leave the courtroom. The guy didn't say a word. So if he can be asked to leave the courtroom, why in the world can't the tent maker be asked to stop giggling? And for those of you who are unfamiliar with court proceedings, you need to sit back and listen to this because this, this could be you. This could be your money being spent. This could be your travail and heartache and BS. I hope somebody takes a show and sends it down to the state attorney. Take the link and send it down there. I don't care. It's disgusting. Now, as long as we're on disgusting things, I've gotten a lot of calls about Kim Barton. And all the calls I've gotten so far, and I'm, you know, was want her removed. They want her removed. This last screw up with not enough Republican ballots in High Springs. By the way, on the news, she said it wasn't the case in Alachua. And I researched that and it was the case in Alachua. The city of Alachua. This issue of not having enough ballots is voter suppression. These people were denied the opportunity because they couldn't wait around. They came there on the day to vote. You're supposed to, I'm back to the professionalism of these institutions. I guess that's the common theme. The professionalism of the state attorney's office is miserable. And the professionalism of the supervisor of elections office is miserable. Miserable. I've gotten questions. Can either or both be removed? People getting fed up. And really fed up over the Barton thing because it got hurt personally by this. And there's this whole hum. Well, statistically, it wouldn't make any difference. Are you kidding me? Is that the ethics of this? Statistically, it wouldn't make any difference. So, well, why the hell send the ballots over there in the first place then? 
I mean, why send ballots to Republicans at all? They're outnumbered two to one by Democrats in Alachua County, statistically. So why in the hell send any Republican a ballot? What stupid logic. Really stupid. By the way, on these little IQ test games that I take, I score in the gifted category for logic. I don't know how or why. I mean, it doesn't seem that hard to me to think straight. I mean, who is going to buy that stupid argument that, oh, well, statistically doesn't matter. We heard the same crap uh, with these sex offenders voting. Oh, statistics didn't really matter. They broke the law. We're going to get into that a little bit because of the big argument whose responsibility it is. But this thing with Barton has been worse and worse and worse. It's just, it's just, um, Jack thinks the governor, governor Cameron, I think so too, Jack, but I'm not sure how the process gets started, who sustains it, who sees it through. Uh, but I'm getting an awful lot of chatter uh, over the, uh, the command center here network. Hey, man, they, they, people seem to think I can, I can do all these different things. All I can do is share it with you, and then you all have to take up the cause. Um, I can just tell you that I'm getting a lot of uh, input here in the command center about the incompetence of Barton. You know, she was there and worked for Carpenter. Now, you have to remember, T.J. Pichet took the fifth. A fellow named Boyette died. Another lady who worked as her tech lady left and went to the private sector. And I assure you, she, Barton can't run all that stuff. And so she's had to hire people. Who knows what they know? The place is suspect. And when something like this happens, and then there's this nonchalant, ho-hum, it, it's not as bad as Omar the tech maker who actually giggled in court but and cracked jokes. But it's pretty close to it. Oh, well, let them eat cake is basically what you're hearing. Let them eat cake. Well, you know, one of the things that's happened, we have succeeded in giving the governor's office all the, the, enough ammo to, to launch uh, this elections committee. And I have a letter here. That was addressed to Supervisor Hayes. Supervisor Hayes uh, is a, I, think, I believe he's in Lake County, basically stiff-armed us when we found uh, sex offenders voting there. And he decided, are you listening to me now, my friends? You're in the back row. Sit up. It's a, this is interesting. Uh, he decided on his own that, okay, uh, these sex offenders did vote on my watch, uh, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And it's not statistically relevant. And, you know, there's water under the dam and, you know, ho-hum, get along. You know, we'll move along and do something else. Um, oh, really? Oh, really? This letter was written from the Office of Election, Crimes, and Security 
and signed by Peter Antonacci, who is the head of that agency that DeSantis created pretty much in response to the ammo we were digging up. And this has taken a long time. You remember we started looking into this in 2021. The FDLE came along and looked at Barton's behavior as a supervisor of elections and said it was pretty shabby. But what happens? Kramer exonerates her. So here is a letter all of a sudden from the supervisor to the supervisor Hayes, who stiff armed us when we found these things under his purview that he did not catch or know about. But along comes a letter from the governor's Department of State that says, I want to bring to your attention a matter of great public importance. And then the letter goes on to say, records demonstrate that the convicted felons that listed in this attached exhibit, which is attached, uh, fall into one of three categories. They were convicted murderers, they were convicted sex offenders, or there were felons who were serving a probationary sentence at the time of casting a ballot. Furthermore, records, in other words, investigation being done by DeSantis' committee now, found uh, that some have cast more than one ballot during the 2020 general election. So not only are illegals voting, they're voting more than once. And this gentleman goes on to give basically Supervisor Hage's marching orders. In the next paragraph, he says, to ensure the integrity of any investigation involving the foregoing matters, it is imperative to preserve the physical voting record of these individuals. In other words, don't destroy any evidence, by the way, Hayes, including any registration applications, original records of individual in-person voting with signatures, and vote-by-mail ballot return envelopes. Hey, buddy, it's a new day. We coming down to take a good look. Mr. Supervisor. Hey, Miss Kim Barton. You do something that compromises election integrity. We coming down to take a look. That letter hadn't been written to her yet. But don't you think it's the same issue? Election integrity. When you voters suppress, either through incompetence, well, it's incompetence, let's put it that way, admittedly, practically, a whole slew of voters who don't get the vote because you don't give them the material to vote with, that's clearly your responsibility. You know, there's a debate going on, which I guess I'll cover after the break, about whose responsibility is it? When T.J. Pichet went into the jail, was it his responsibility to teach those guys that if they were, hadn't paid back everything, they couldn't sign up? Or was it those guys' responsibility to know? Let me tell you something. There are going to be probably five trials 
because five of these guys are asking for a jury trial. Kim Barton is going to have to raise her hand under oath. I would think. There are going to be trials. Did you tell them or should you have told them? Or did they, you lead them to believe? Or Because, you know, there's a super liberal kind of hired witness. You know, I had a friend who was a physics professor. He was always hired to come and testify on auto accidents. And the reason was he could figure out how far the tra car traveled and who was lying, who wasn't. They got a guy at the University of Florida, Dan Smith. They always roll him out as a political science professor. They roll him out wanting one of liberals' opinion. And he says, oh, my golly, these poor folks, you know, he champions on the, the poor. The, the supervisor should have told them, well, that's not the law. And I'll go into that after the break. But uh, here this letter is, my friends. You're hearing it first on the Ward Scott Files. You will not see it on Channel 20. You will not see it uh, in the Gainesville Sunset. And this is very gently said, but firmly, please consider this a formal request to preserve and maintain for later access and review all of the original records in your possession for the 2020 general election relating to the individuals listed in exhibits A and B. Whoa, brother. Whoa, a long time coming. A long time coming. Uh, we may probably post this out on the Word, Word Top Bulletin Board. But uh, there you are. I'm giving you an update on a couple of things, um, one of which personally disgusted me. So, you may attribute that to me. Had you been there, you might have been just blandly and recipient of the um, drama going on before you. Because in a sense, all's well ends well. Curtin did deny the request to seal the depositions of Cornell and all, at all because they haven't been taken yet. How can you seal something that doesn't exist? We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files in just a moment. Uh, as we take our break for our sponsors and donors. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, 
You can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Got Files here. We're going to do a little bit of weather for you. Uh, thanks to Lewis Oil. Uh, we'll get a little cooler today down into the high 80s, if you want to call that cooler. Still subject to the kind of arbitrary uh, behavior of the clouds and the rain and the lightning and all the above. Uh, some uh, retention ponds here in the southern part of the county, particularly since, you know, the whole county slopes down and drains into Payne's Prairie, are really full and overfilling. Uh, if you look at the uh, ones around uh, Tioga, for example, they're full um, all up and down 241. South 241, they're pretty full. And a lot of people don't realize the county really does slope downhill, basically from the time you cross into it all the way down to Paynes Prairie. It's uh, the white Paynes Prairie is Paynes Prairie, I suspect. So we'll have that uh, issue um, that will always be with us for the next few days. Uh, we are still... Uh, Warming up the atmosphere, I got a uh, uh, climate, if you will. I got a, a nice little survey from a member of the research team that has every state's uh, average temperature and whether it's inclined or declined. And at some point, I'm going to go over that with you. It's uh, pretty interesting as to what is uh, um, going on and whether or not we can actually calibrate and figure out if there really is such a thing as well, it used to, it's been called different things, climate change, global warming, and all of the above. So uh, the other thing it's asking, uh, we're asking right now is, is, is the uh, tropical Atlantic getting ready to uh, turn active? It's been kind of dormant through the month of August, which is a little bit uh, unusual historically. But um, uh, nevertheless, um, it's probably going to be heating up here, becoming active in September. Meanwhile, in the Northeast, uh, about 30 million people are at risk for severe weather. And the Dallas flooding uh, uh, is, a, uh, is, is a real significant event still there and throughout the traveling storm that came across Mississippi. So it's, um, it's paradoxical, too, in that some of the drought areas have revealed things that uh, we never did know existed before. There's a mysterious Spanish Stonehenge that had been submerged. We've got to look at that. Uh, they're finding bodies that they didn't know were in the bottoms of these lakes. They're finding cars. Um, it's, it's, it's strange. It's uh, really uh, something 
<laughs> you never thought the guys, had, I guess, had deposited stuff there. People would ever find it. So, uh, um, and, and, you know, still people that are being caught in, in um, um, flash floods. There's a lady who, in a flash flood in Zion National Park, uh, was over, overcome. So um, that's the weather right now. It's not as turbulent as it's probably going to become, but uh, it very soon could become uh, uh, something that uh, gives us a little reason to back up our shelves with food and whatnot necessities you need through the storms. The uh, uh, subjects I just covered right now are, are um, pertinent to you, perhaps, to understand some of the local drama that's going on. And uh, it's going to be a continuing saga for a while. It's not going to be anything that goes away anytime soon. The best thing the state attorney's office could probably do would be to drop the charges and let the thing go away. But I don't think I think they're too far into it. And they, they exhibit too much incompetence so, so far putting trust into it. But um, we do have a glimpse now into the plan moving forward that DeSantis has for uh, uh, looking at uh, criminal voting beep charges. And um, you'll begin to see that heat up its jet engines. Uh, more court and election documents will be looked at. And you'll hear basically a kind of debate that I just alluded to before we went on the break. And that was um, um, whether or not we, whose responsibility is it? And of course, Smith is a little bit misinformed here. Um, he says that uh, the system, this is a quote from him in, a, in an article by The Guardian. The system wasn't designed for this purpose, neither for the state nor for an individual. In my opinion, this is Smith's opinion. It's not on the individual to verify eligibility. It's on the state. It's not on the state. It's on the supervisor of elections. Okay. It's on the supervisor of elections. So Smith is kind of, I say, a political gadfly, unless he's misquoted here. He's, a, he's shooting from the academic hip, uh, which is not to be unexpected. Um, uh, the, um, he says that uh, people are asked to check a box saying, I affirm that I'm not a convicted felon, or if I am, my right to vote has been restored. And what he leaves out is the phrase under penalty of perjury. You have to really, you know, this is the problem with getting your opinion from the public media. Here's a guy, Daniel Smith, who's presenting himself as an expert, who's being interviewed by the media as an expert, and he's either being misquoted by the media or he's deliberately misstating because what he's saying is not accurate and you've got to take a look in there and see why it's not accurate. So, um, uh, it's, it, it is, um, um, the phrase is omitted under the penalty of perjury. So, and I've, I've grown suspect of him anyway. I, I kind of, it's kind of like reading anything else that a liberal talks about. You can, you can predict what they're going to say. They're not going to, they're not going to, um, necessarily, uh, discuss it on a uh, objective objective level. So um, we are we're going to follow this for you and keep keep an eye on it for you and keep you up to date on it. Um, as far as this alone business goes, um, most people feel that uh, those who don't go to college are subsidizing those who do. It's another taxpayer ripoff, and uh, so I've been doing a little, re little research on that. And of course, it definitely. Uh, 
demeans or de-emphasizes something that should be emphasized. I, I think really should be emphasized. And that is the trade schools. I mean, we should be encouraging the trades. You know, this four-year college degree has become kind of a, I mean, I know people who've got college, well, do I need to say this? College degrees who can't, don't know what a sentence is, okay? Can't conjugate the verbs. Uh, I've got a degree in some major that I guess it will add to the gross national product, but did you have to go to college to get it? You know, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, unless you're really in something that is, and we're, a lot are, of course, the engineering schools or, the, or some of the technical things or, or some of the more complicated and interesting uh, liberal arts majors, um, you really can get through the college world and not really have much to show for it. And by the way, we know since I've been in it, I was in it for 40 years. The books are more and more expensive. The tuition's more and more expensive. Uh, you get less and less. The classrooms are bigger. Um, uh, the professors re often are not there. You send down a research assistant. Um, it's just the way it works. Um, but fewer than 40% of the Americans, uh, fewer than 40% graduate from a four-year college. Um, but if they do graduate, statistics show that they generally live a little longer and they're more likely to uh, uh, be healthier and have greater satisfaction with their lives, although um, they are subject to unemployment cycles just like everyone else. So the um, education right off of that debt has really become kind of a, a hot topic. A topic. Uh, the plan obviously is not going to help uh, any of the Americans who don't go to college. And, and, and that fact, they're going to be subsidizing the ones who do. Um, its benefits are really targeted at lower income college graduates and dropouts, uh, particularly those who grew up in lower income families. It's restricted to individuals making less than $125,000 uh, or households making less than two hundred fifty. dollars um, it, uh, it will exclude very high earners at law firms in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. Uh, for anybody under this income threshold, the plan will forgive up to $10,000 in debt. For somebody who received Pell Grants in college, uh, which is a federal program focused on lower income families, the plan may forgive an additional $10,000. Um, so it, it really, though, is not done. The ink is not dried on it yet. It's got to, right now, it's just really a verbal stance. Um, and it's still got to be uh, checked off on by a, uh, a, a, a quite a bit of um, a process here. Um, you've got to, uh, you know, Congress has got to get involved. Uh, it could even go to the courts as being unconstitutional and go all the way up to the Supreme Court. So I suspect it's going to find some challenges because uh, it's going to wipe out the debt of millions of borrowers. And um, this whole idea of, of freeloading in America is already beginning to seep into many conversations. Uh, we have this idea of that the work ethic, which used to be the strongest part of the country, is now the weakest part of the, uh, the country's uh, criterion, um, the work ethic. 
was one of the best things about the Puritans. So um, that's kind of gone by the wayside. Um, there's obviously great inflation or how shall you say it? The dumbing down or erosion of excellence, unless you have a particular school inside a school, like you do at Eastside, the International Baccalaureate Program. The reason the International Baccalaureate Program is at Eastside is to make sure that there were people at Eastside and they weren't just all low-income, disinterested kids. And if you put one of those really high-powered intellectual programs in a place like Eastside, the parents will send their kids there. They They don't care. As long as the very best program is there, that's where they'll send their kids. And the other trick to this is you have the parents apply to get their kid in there, but you accept everybody that applies. So uh, that's kind of a secret uh, uh, recipe inside the house here I'm sharing with you. But that makes that east side, therefore, you know, have students and, and have students that are really searching out meritocracy. So uh, this this whole forgiveness plan sort of sends in many people's value system the wrong message. It will be, uh, and it's kind of seen as an extension of more of the giveaways that happened, which are blamed on COVID. We know that that de-emphasized the work ethic. That kind of destroyed the employment pool. And we're still trying to recover from that. Um, they are, are uh, the, 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 the effect, when this takes place is what's interesting. The education department has promised more details. Um, they don't have them yet. Um, so really people are kind of wondering what this means. Are you going to get a notification from your loan servicer? Um, be, beware of friendly sounding phone calls or suspicious looking emails from addresses you don't recognize. There's going to be a lot of hustlers involved in this because it's a very complicated process and it's going to take months to effectuate. Um, you're going to have to double check the information you've already shared with your loan servicer, um, studentaid.gov website, all that business. If you've moved or you change your contact information, uh, that's going to complicate this thing. Uh, only federal debt is eligible. And uh, if, uh, if you owe less than $10,000 on your loan, uh, you will now be student debt free. It's got free entirely. Um, It'll wipe out um, debt for about 15 million borrowers. Um, The uh, parent plus loans are also eligible. An individual student is limited in how much money. uh, Here's a pronoun reference error, and this is in the journal. Uh, An individual student is limited in how much money they, you see, that ain't right. They as a plural, the precedent to an agreement is an individual, not two individuals. So they could have said it this way and avoided the problem. Individuals are limited and change the subject verb agreement. And then the they would have been okay. But this kind of stuff is going on all over our language. Uh, You know, what is the formally correct language? I get asked that all the time by students. What is the formally correct language? Here's the answer. The formally correct language is the language your community uses to store, retain, and archive its most important records. Because you see, wills we're talking about, deeds we're talking about, those are all filed. Those had better be written clearly. 
If there is a pronoun agreement error like this in a will, where it starts out with an individual and then has a plural pronoun later in a sentence, you may have confusion in the will and you may not know who gets the money, Billy or Johnny, um, because they're individuals. Or do they both get it? And the sentence reads two ways. The beginning of the sentence reads that only one of them gets it, but then on down in the sentence, it reads that both of them get it. Do you see the problem with pronoun reference errors? They're huge. Anyway, you can get away with it in newspaper writing, but you should not be able to get away with it in the court, for example. Now, one of the ways I judge these lawyers and one of the ways I judge these uh, judges is by how well they write. And I got to tell you that the arbitrator who wrote the opinion that the Boss Arts owned, owed almost a 1.5 to the arbitrator, uh, the attorneys and, and, and Rotos and Riles wrote extremely well, very well. That told me that the old axiom is clear writing is clear thinking. Clear writing is clear thinking. Got a sideline call coming in. I don't know why it's not coming in on my, on my, let me see what we got here. Um, uh, uh, long thing for me to look at. Take, I'm taking time out to look at it. Uh, let me see if I can get this person to call the. Those of you who are calling a sideline call, please call on the call-in line. Uh, hopefully the uh, call-in line is, number is prominently displayed for you. I'm getting a call from a 214-3215. Um, can you call the call-in line number provided you can see it? Um, that's my concern. I can't answer you on the sideline call. I can't answer you. I can't answer you. I can answer you on the call-in line. So uh, let's see if I can see the call-in line is displayed, numbers displayed. I don't see it displayed anywhere. Um, anyway, if you call in, I'll talk to you about that. Okay. So um, there's a call-in line, 707-9101. If you're trying to call, call that line, 352-707-9109. Got about 10 minutes. So um, that, that, that's the way Parent PLUS loans, are they eligible? Yes, they're eligible. Um, Parent PLUS loans and Grad PLUS loans, uh, families have been able to borrow the total cost of attendance, including room and board and other expenses. Uh, so this forgiveness applies to federal loans for both undergraduate and graduate programs, as well as to Parent PLUS loans and White House, uh, the White House officials say. Uh, is the debt forgiveness tax exempt? A debt Forgiveness is often treated as income on taxes. Uh, but um, fortunately for these borrowers, they're going to make this canceled student debt federally tax exempt. Now, the reason I want to talk about that is not only is the debt being forgiven, my friends, it is tax exempt. Now, what's behind all this? Some research has shown uh, that Biden's campaign, Biden as a political person, has received more than $64.5 million in contributions from people in higher education during his presidential campaign in 2020. Biden was the top recipient by a large margin. This is according to data compiled by Open Secrets. 
And overall, Democrats have been responsible for 70% of all political contributions from groups in the education industry since 2002. Okay? So are you saying there's some connection? I'm saying that's up to you whether you want to connect the dots. All right? 40 million people in the United States hold a collective $1.7 trillion in student loans. Um, So uh, members of both parties have criticized this move. And I don't know whether it's going to be a done deal, but we do know that according to some who study the behavior of good old D.C., that here we are forgiving the loan. And on the other hand, the Democrats are planning to audit more severely the middle class. They've got to find this money somewhere, my friends. So they're going to find it from the working stiff. And that's the middle class. And let me tell you about the middle class that I learned. Years ago in the classroom, we had an influx of students from El Salvador. They were great students, good people, smart people. And I asked them, why were you coming out of El Salvador? Well, these kids were from the upper class. They were from the coffee plantations. By the way, yes, the word is plantation. And yes, it is coffee. Okay. So they were from the coffee plantation. But Sandinista was taking over in El Salvador. And it was becoming pretty violent. So the good families got their kids out of El Salvador and sent them to the States. And I asked him, I said, why do you have this violence in El Salvador? And back then, uh, Sandinistas killed some Catholic nuns. And I asked him, why would the Sandinistas kill the Catholic nuns? It's because Catholicism was the religion of the upper class. And then they told me, you know, you learn as much from your students as as you do teaching them. They told me that in El Salvador, there's no middle class. And what I learned from them is when you have no middle class, you have no stable society. If you only have the upper class and the proletariat or the low class, you have got to run it by dictatorship or some heavy handed authority. The middle class, the bulk of us pay the bills, Paying your bill on time is still one of those litmus tests for whether or not you're an honorable person. Reneging on your commitments financially is a litmus test for whether you are a dishonorable person, whether you can be trusted or not. So to send the message that you're going to forgive the debt of somebody who incurred the debt teaches what? Well, it doesn't teach honor, does it? It doesn't teach living up to your word. And concurrently with this, you go after the hardworking people who do live up to their word, who pay the bills. And you hire all of these IRS people and you go after the guys who can't get away. They've got mortgages, they've got car debt, they've got families, they've got So in a way, when you look at this, and I'm trying to look at it from all sides, 
by forgiving the student debt, are you forgiving the student debt incurred by middle-class people and therefore strengthening the middle-class? I think that's about the most positive spin I can put on all this, that perhaps, but it's so complicated and it's so wound up in the value of the education, the de emphasis of the trades, uh, uh, the absolute exoneration of upper classes. Um, you know, it's most interesting and it's not a done deal is what I have really to present to you at this time about student loans, which I'm still studying. We are anticipating a release, are we not, of the so-called search warrant from mar lago It will be redacted and it will claim they redacted things because it's a quote-unquote criminal investigation. Here they have criminalized Trump yet again without anybody knowing what it's based on. It is trial by newspaper. The newspaper has already said that Trump is under criminal investigation and has stolen classified information. Therefore, do you think you could get an unbiased jury? Do you think you could get an unbiased jury? Do you understand the importance of this? I mean, they have tried and they have been trying and to convict him ever since, as we say, he came down the, the escalator. Two impeachment trials. Uh, and meanwhile, we know parallel to this, Hillary goes scot free. We've lived through the Russian collusion hoax. Now we got to deal with the insurrection, which was supposedly a right wing inspired civil war. Um, that has been tried in the newspapers. Um, it, it is really quite, quite, a, quite, a, quite a world. It's almost like Hollywood drama. Well, hope you have a great weekend. Um, some of this has been, strictly my opinion, that is about the behavior of the state attorney's representatives in the courtroom. Uh, take it for what it's worth. Warthog Command Center out.